Hello, I'm your host Albert, and in this episode of Movies, Movies, and Movies, I've got non-spoiler reviews for Insidious Chapter 3, Spy, and Entourage. I have a movie streaming recommendation to share, and I talk about how real-life cities are portrayed in movies. Insidious Chapter 3, directed and written by Leigh Whannell, starring Stephanie Scott, Lynn Shea, and Dermot Mulroney. When it comes to scary movies, it's important for them to give a sense of hopelessness and dread to whatever situation the characters are in. Thankfully, this movie does a good job of creating that tension. There are many scenes here that pretty much makes you want to close your eyes from not wanting to see what it is that's coming to get you. It's those scenes that create that tense tone and slow-paced anticipation that something bad is going to happen. A scary movie should always be good at creating those kinds of scenes. While there are some scenes with great terrifying buildup, there is still an over-reliance to jump scares. They can feel like cheap scares, but I suppose they do work well here. On the flip side, the creepiest scenes that I found in this movie hardly relied on those jump scares. One such scene is of a certain character crawling on the floor, and it's just such a nightmarish visual that I won't be forgetting soon. Another scene would be one involving a night vision camera that was played really well with the characters on screen. The primary characters were great in this movie, and I was most definitely invested in how they fared. Stephanie Scott as Quinn Brenner is perfect as the helpless victim that the evil being is terrorizing, and wow, does she get put through the ringer here. Lin Shea is fantastic reprising her role as psychic Elise Rayner, and she gets to have several hero moments that were such crowd pleasers. Elise is by far the best character of the whole Insidious franchise, and I'm glad its creators think so as well and keep bringing her back. As far as me comparing Insidious Chapter 3 to the other two installments, this one is arguably my favorite one of them all. It has a great balance of minimalist but effective storytelling and had several frightful scenes that were very well executed. I just wish it eased up on those jump scares though. Spy, directed and written by Paul Feig, starring Melissa McCarthy, Jason Statham, Rose Byrne, Miranda Hart, Alison Janney, and Jude Law. What happens when you combine a spy action thriller, a comedic farce, and a self-deprecating lead actress? You get the generically titled movie Spy. At first glance, it's easy to criticize this for being a broad comedy without much to offer, but then the great cast and the overall fun of the movie might just encourage a less critical point of view. It succeeds in the kind of entertainment that it wants to be. It's not necessarily a smart comedy, but it's just plain silly fun that isn't shy of using slapstick humor. There are some dialogue and witty banter here that I particularly found hilarious, and it's mostly involving Melissa McCarthy. McCarthy has this charm of playing this awkward woman, but has this unsuspecting fiery spirit when it's needed. Oh, and the things she say, fantastic. Then we have actors such as Jason Statham and Allison Janney, who really stole the scenes they were in. It's much too fun hearing Statham's stories about a hardcore badass spy he is, and it's great how those tales escalate into absolute impossibilities. Janie, as a straight-faced CIA boss, absolutely wins in her deliveries as well. And it's that deadpan humor that balances out the slapstick comedy in the film. One of the loudest laughs I had in the movie was a line that Alice and Janie said. This is one of those cases where some sharp writing and directing by Paul Feig and the comedic talents of the cast really makes what should be a terrible movie into one that's enjoyable to watch. From the recurring inside jokes to the pure parody of action movie tropes, this movie actually has a lot to offer as an action comedy. Sure, the plot can be ridiculous and the last act of the movie kinda just falls apart, but it's a fun ride through and through. It's easy to dismiss Spy just based on watching the trailer or for any bias against Melissa McCarthy, but I'm glad I gave it a chance. It was just a fun time at the movies. In fact, I actually wouldn't mind seeing a sequel. 
Entourage, directed and written by Doug Ellen, starring Jeremy Piven, Adrian Grenier, Kevin Dillon, Kevin Connolly, and Jerry Ferrara. It's important that I start off by saying that I never saw the HBO TV show Entourage. I went into this movie with the mindset on whether it can work on its own without having knowledge of who these characters are. I can safely say that it can work on its own without seeing the TV show, as the exposition montage intro does a good enough job to catch people up on the important stuff. However, I think the primary target audience for this film are still the established fans. Just based on some of the reactions from some people in the audience, whom I can only assume were already fans, they seem to be enjoying it. While the story makes some effort to get those in the audience who are not familiar with the property to care for these characters, it honestly doesn't really succeed that well with me. I probably like the Ari Gold character the most as played by Jeremy Piven because I actually felt a little invested in his story arc. The other characters had plot moments that I liked but I didn't care that much for them as I probably should have. Vince seems like a very underwritten character. Johnny Drama at least had a sob story to follow. Eric seemed like the ironic character with a good heart that just happens to have many women falling for him. And Turtle's contribution is that he has this surprising amount of wealth and he has a thing for UFC fighter Ronda Rousey. I admit, the Ronda Rousey bit was kinda entertaining. I at least did appreciate the camaraderie that the characters have with each other, so that theme wasn't lost on me. What was arguably the most interesting aspect about this movie is how it, it portrayed its character's lifestyle and its representation of Los Angeles. Apparently in Los Angeles, you meet celebrities everywhere you go. There are many bikini-clad or naked women everywhere, there are so many people living an opulent life, and you drive around a lot. Well, it's got the driving around a lot part correctly. This version of Los Angeles is so superficial and shallow that it really is trying to live up to the stereotypes of the city. It only validates the criticisms against Los Angeles from people who have never been there before. Yes, I get that the excessively well-off lifestyle, the celebrity cameos, and the male fantasy imagery are what makes Entourage Entourage, but I just couldn't get into it. The rich lifestyle just reeks of wish fulfillment pandering, the celebrity cameos are more missed than hits, and I know people are going to call this movie misogynistic for obvious reasons. Even if I didn't watch the TV show, I was at least hoping to be entertained, and Entourage the movie did not really do that for me. I was mildly entertained, very mildly. Fans of the TV show can and probably will enjoy this, but it just wasn't for me. My movie streaming recommendation for this episode is this short film that was funded via Kickstarter for about $600,000. And that short film is Kung Fury, which you can find on YouTube. Kung Fury is like a tribute to the schlocky, cheesy, over-the-top action films that you would find in the 1980s and early 90s. A lot of those movies are technically bad, but they were always fun to watch. Kung Fury taps into that spirit and then some, by having this frenetic pacing and special effects that elevates the extreme nature of those excessive storylines that were common from back in that time. Consider our primary protagonist, the super cop that got his kung fu powers via being struck by lightning at the same time he was bitten by a cobra while he was being attacked by a mass martial arts master. The opening of this movie even starts off with a rampaging arcade machine robot on a murder spree, and that's the sanest part of the film. Things get crazier as the story progresses, and it's all crammed into a 30 minutes time frame. Insane action, cheesy one-liners, colorful characters, outrageous storytelling, very, very entertaining. Very, very, very fun. Kung Fury. Watch it on YouTube. Did you ever think about how a movie's portrayal of a real-life city might affect your preconceptions of those cities that you've never been to before? Just recently, we have movies such as San Andreas and its portrayal of San Francisco, 
Aloha and its portrayal of Hawaii, and Entourage and its portrayal of Los Angeles. It's easy to say that those movies are not travel documentaries, so its portrayal of those places are going to be very idealized, or at the very least, they are lacking in the wide depth it will take to really showcase an area. Understandable. But that doesn't change the fact that for a lot of people, that glimpse into those places might be enough to give them some kind of idea what to think of them, even if it might be completely wrong. Hopefully, people are smart enough to figure out that they don't know the whole story short of actually visiting them. Would it be better if movies are just using fictionalized locations to avoid these kinds of confusions? Maybe. But there is an immediate connection with the movie whenever its location is based in real life. And that's something that can't be discounted by the filmmakers. At the very least, hopefully, the movies will only encourage people to visit those real-life places. Thanks for listening. My name is Albert Patrick, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Albert5x5. You can send comments to whowhatwhereswhy at gmail.com via social media or through whowhatwhereswhy.com, where you can also find written movie reviews and our other podcasts. Rate and subscribe to our shows on iTunes. Check out our merchandise through the Zazzle store and further support us via Patreon. Music has been provided by The Y-Axis. Find them at theyaxis.bandcamp.com. Until next time, this has been an episode of Movies, Movies, and Movies, which is part of the whowhatwheresy.com network. Music